0: Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of September 21st. I'm your host, D-Swap, Derek Kessinger, joined by the editorial staff of Kevin Kobach, Robert Holman, and Kyle McFadden. And Kyle, JD won the shortened 50-lapper Knoxville Nationals for a Sunday showcase victory, passing Tyler Bruning with only about a handful of laps remaining. I think there was three to go. There are some birds chirping that J.D. can only win when he takes the lead early from the get-go. Will he prove the haters wrong? J.D. is hot as a pistol. It just seems like we're doing the same show every single week. J.D. wins. 50-lapper, a track that he hates so much, as I use in, uh, my fingers, that he hates so much. Gets his first Knoxville Nationals Championship. You were on the grounds there. Pretty impressive win there to uh, pass Bruni with three laps to go.
1: Yeah, no, totally. That was probably thinking back on that race and just watching that race in real time, just like develop. I mean, like obviously, you know, the Knoxville Nationals and the late models isn't stacking up with the World 100 and the Eldora Million, but that race is probably going to be of all the things that JD has accomplished this year. I would say that that for me personally, tops them all, just with, just with how he got it done. I mean, he was like a straightaway behind, with five or six laps to go, and running the top of all places, right, during the day, at Knoxville, where not a whole lot of guys really seem to make the top work all day long. And here comes JD, it's absolutely, uh, going gung ho. <laughs> around the top and and I was like with five or six laps to go. I'm like, well, you know, if there is one place that he's gonna have to make it happen, it is around the top, you know, because Tyler bruning I mean, he ran, I thought, you know, a flawless race up front. Like there really wasn't much else he could have done to hold off JD. Um and I even talked to Tyler after the race and and he didn't feel like he made any mistakes. He he actually thought uh you know his attempt to stifle jd's momentum when he was coming around the top when he had called him uh a block more or less was enough for him to perhaps hold off jd but then obviously what is stopping jd right now right seems seems to really be nothing and so um it's just remarkable you know the the relentlessness of Jonathan Davenport this season. I think that race and just how like relentless uh, Davenport has been this year, that's why I say I think in my opinion, you know, when I look back on his year, which is still not done yet, um you know that race on Sunday, though it was fifty laps, though it it, it was uh circumstances that you could probably put an asterisk next to, you know, he's he still found a way to knock off another Crown Jewel at a track that he is admittedly not very good at. So um, yeah, it's just here we are again, you know, talking about another JD Crown Jewel win. And and no, it was not a snoozer. That was the first those were the first words that came out of uh Davenport's mouth after I had talked with him. You know, he was uh he was glad that it wasn't a snoozer. He was uh you know took pride in the fact that you know he could uh knowing that he really had to work for that one right and that there was really no excuses with you know the arrow and and uh you know just fans and and what they say these days about how that you know the race wasn't handed to him but unbelievable performance once again from jd the dream season so to speak rolls on and uh Kind of a fitting way to end the summer, right? Because summer technically ends this Thursday. Um, So just kind of a fitting way for uh, Jonathan Davenport to end what has been just an incredible summer.
0: Yeah, it's been a great summer for J.D. as well. Just 2022 since the springtime has just been dominating. No signs of slowing down. And Kobach, Tyler Bruning, so, so close yet again. He's been there knocking at the door. Mississippi Thunder, he was leading, spun out for 50 grand. You thought he was checked out here. He was going to win a Knoxville National title. But then again, J.D. passed him. And when is he going to win these big ones? I know Clayton had a good quote to Kyle saying once he gets that first one, a whole bunch of them are going to follow suit. But, man, it's nice getting second, but I think he's pretty devastated after Sunday.
2: Oh, God, yeah. uh th- his he's still chasing a national touring series win, and the two races that he's come the closest were crown jewel. Well, not crown. Let's not say Mississippi Thunder wasn't a crown jewel yet, but fifty thousand dollar to win races uh, on both occasions, uh, and in his home state, and they both were in Iowa. I, I mean, he, he both times I was talking to his uh, crew chief Zeb, you know, at, on on Monday night at Kokomo um, when I was there for the XR uh, Super Series race. In Indiana, and in you know, 24 hours after they had just uh, lost that race at Knoxville, you know, Zeb said that they were still, uh, you know, kind of a little bit down. I mean, but they were. It was so set up for them twice now, to for Tyler to win his first big national tour race in a 50 grand race in his home state. I mean, how much more perfect would that be? I think, you know, uh, Mississippi Thunder back in May. That's an hour and a half or so from his house, and then uh, Knoxville. Zeb had said yesterday on on uh, on, uh, two, on Monday that that's the race that they've always like focused on the most. That's their their biggest race of the year. They love the Knoxville Nationals. Uh, Tyler's father, uh, the family business, they have a a, a rock mine down down there uh, right in Knoxville. So there's a lot of people that you know uh, employees that come to the race. And man, there they are leading that race and going and going. I mean. I know they would have been happy with a second place finish probably when they started that weekend, but when he's leads lead that many laps and you could see that checkered flag, uh, you know, just ahead. Oh man, what a crusher! I mean, it wasn't as bad as the Mississippi Thunder loss because that one he had that race, you know, pretty much in control. If he just would have stayed in the rubber because the track had rubbered late in the race, and, and then he just went in there a little too hard and tangled with a lap car. And I remember that I was at that one. And, and man, Tyler, he didn't come out of his hauler for probably 20 minutes, at least after the race. I mean, and I thought he was going to say barely anything. I finally got him to say a few words. He was so distraught after that one. wasn't quite that bad. I mean, he went to victory lane for the top three and he, he talked about it and, you know, he, he knows that he, you know, the, the greatest driver, late mile driver in the world right now had to pull out all the stops just to pass him with a few laps to go so he could be satisfied with that and his that was his first five-figure payoff that he's ever had in a race it, 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 uh, Zeb his crew chief said his most money he's ever won was $7,500 in, in any uh you know for any payoff so for a $25,000 payoff per second that's pretty good too and he at least had that as a consolation uh but man twice twice uh he's really come close one of these days Tyler's gonna get it
0: yeah and Watching Sunday, you're cheering for him. You're like, hey, JD's have a great year. It'd be kind of cool if he won again. But when you see those guys that are trying to find their first Crown Jewel, find, trying to find their first National Touring win, we you're definitely on the inside cheering for him. So uh, maybe the next time at another Crown Jewel uh, TV can get the job done. Robert, it was like peaks and volleys at uh, Knoxville. Thursday night, no one really liked the track. It was very hammered down. Friday, the racing was awesome. Get a lot of lead changes. Pierce won that one. It kind of felt like old school Knoxville. Then we get the rain out Saturday, and you have to keep these teams here Sunday. They had to rework the track. That took hours. It was just kind of like a. It was kind of like a weekend where you never got that momentum at Knoxville that we're used to seeing.
3: Yeah, you it was kind of a. Uh, it was like, did it really happen? Did it not happen? You know, you're kind of if you're not there, kind of. Uh, I'm not saying that the the Sunday race was disappointing. I'm not saying that it was uh, a letdown or anything, but it just, like, you're right. It it was just kind of, uh, you know, when the show got pushed an extra day, it really just kind of took the wind out of the sails there, you know. Um, You know, I've always thought that Knoxville was a place where you never really were 100% sure what you were going to get with the racetrack anyway. I'm not sure what drivers were complaining about in terms of, you know, the surface and and it being fast. And I mean, you're there for three days and you just you really don't know what you're going to get from day to day. So I thought that they made the made the best of of what they had, you know, to deal with. But I don't know why they would outwardly complain, you know, knowing that the next day is probably going to be different or the next day is more than likely going to be better. So, uh, so yeah, it was kind of a a weird vibe to me, you know, of course I wasn't there, but I did keep track of, I was watching, you know, all of it. So it just was a a weird vibe, you know, and, and then of course on Sunday, it just didn't look like the crowd was all that great. So, uh, so I don't know, it's, but you're right. I don't know what else to say about it other than it was just kind of an odd weekend at Knoxville.
0: Yeah, any of the post four oh one hundred momentum, I think, has a little bit to do with the week leading up to it. Robert, any other news and notes from the weekend that caught your eye? I was gonna kind of do like a round table here just maybe not necessarily Knoxville, but something else that came to eye for you.
3: Well, you know, the 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 other big race that it's really a big weekend, not so much a huge race, but you know, um East Alabama Motor Speedway paid a lot of money out this weekend in terms of A five thousand dollar to win crate race, a five thousand dollar to win limited race, Um, I think maybe a maybe a five thousand to win six oh two race, and then of course they had back to back Southern All Star races that paid four thousand and fifty dollars each, one on Saturday and one on Sunday. So it was a it was Alabama State Championship weekend. It's really their second largest weekend of the year down at uh, East Alabama behind the National One Hundred, and I think we've all over the years. Kind of over the last kind of five or six years, seen what the National 100, how it can be drug out and how it's just how we've kind of some of us kind of dread going there. Some of us look forward to it. I'm not sure who those people are, but but this weekend was better. I think this weekend was a uh for the Alabama State Championship. I think this weekend uh was a positive, very, very positive sign for East Alabama Motor Speedway. Uh, moving towards the National 100 so hopefully that uh, when they do help host that big event that uh, they can carry that momentum from this weekend into that and, and say yes we we do now have our act together and look at look at this as a because you know for years the National 100 is kind of in the south that's as close as we had to a crown jewel in the south really until you know like the Dixie shootout so if they can get that race back on track that would be really really good and and of course you had winners in um will harrington won on on sunday and kenny collins won on saturday so uh two very likable guys two guys that are you know really good to talk to uh picked up wins there so you know congratulations to those guys as well and to east alabama really for showing that they can Maybe they're back. Just us hope they are. It'd be great if they were. If East Alabama, if we could say East Alabama is back, that would be awesome. So I think this is a step in the right direction.
0: Let's keep the momentum up there, EAMS. Uh, it's good to hear that it was a good weekend down there, and yeah, the National 100s right around the corner. So if they can continue that success from this weekend and carry it on, I think we could see some good things here in the near future at that racetrack in Alabama. All right, Kyle. Any other notes there from Knoxville before we get to Kovac?
1: Just kind of piggybacking off of what Robert said, I was obviously there and on the grounds and stuff, and I have more, I guess, of a background with the sprint cars, and I guess kind of piggybacking off of the track conditions and maybe why the drivers were upset. I just think if there wasn't so many guys that had problems, I mean, probably over almost a quarter, nearly a quarter, maybe more than a quarter of the 48 guys who had signed in that night track had had problems car issues I think if you know just kind of the tension there too um of how the you know week started for many guys I think also you know that wasn't a great way to start the week I know that Billy Moyer had made some interesting comments about the track and stuff like that you can go back and read my story from a few days ago he said you know, these guys don't know how to put away the water truck or they don't know when to put away the water truck, you know, so I thought that was interesting. Obviously, it's Knoxville and it's one of the top, you know, dirt tracks in the country. And some fans will argue that it is a dirt in their view. And I don't argue with that. I can't argue with that. So, um, but also, too, I thought and I was talking with Bobby Pierce after his win, I kind of thought that, you know, there was a little bit of tension carried over from Eldora with you know, the ho hum racing and I think guys had like borrowed tension, borrowed emotion almost carried over from Eldora. And, you know, Pierce thought that, you know, he kind of fell victim to that too. You know, he was very critical of the track on Thursday. And he was one of the guys that pulled off because he was making laps in vain, basically. And so felt like there was no point of even being out there on Thursday. So, you know, I think it was just a hodgepodge of things. Luckily it ironed itself out by the end of the week, even though on Sunday, you know, 50 laps, not ideal. Uh, but it still turned out to be a great race. I thought it was a great race, and it was a great track for what they had to work with. Obviously, not can't please everybody in the world, and it's the only late model race there all season long. So, you know, have to just roll with the punches, and, you know, the cream always rises uh, to the top. And so, drivers know what they're getting into the guys who have been there. I mean, it's tracks hard on equipment already. I mean, it's like, like it's not the only track that's hard on equipment, you know? I mean, we've seen that a lot this year. But yeah. Those are just kind of some final thoughts there. Luckily it turned out to be uh, a good end to the weekend, you know, with another late race pass.
0: Robert, you had your hand off. Did you want to comment on that?
3: Well, yeah, you know, I did. I just wanted to say that. A, I didn't want to make light of uh, of the drivers who were planning, who did have trouble because, like Kyle just said, that racetrack and big racetracks in general are really hard on equipment, really hard on motors. And then they talked like it was like hot, but I mean, it wasn't like Florida hot. It wasn't Alabama hot. But uh you know so that wasn't really a big issue to me. I didn't think the heat was was that big of a deal, but when you yeah. combine it with um, a rugged racetrack, a big big fast half mile uh and it, it it is really hard on motors and so I didn't want to make light of drivers complaining for for that particular reason, but uh, just complaining to complain, just complaining because the track wasn't at a condition that they that they really wanted that i mean you know kyle's right they know you know what you're getting into when you come to knoxville but but i do understand how they could feel you know because there's a couple places that i've been with my brother and i'm like i don't i don't want to go back there because we don't have the equipment we, we don't that's places hard on equipment with with motors with there in virginia but is one of those places that's just really hard on on it's big, and those tracks are like that. So, um, so I understand, and I wasn't trying to make light of drivers complaining for that particular reason.
0: Yeah, I think way the track was and what they were dealt with. I think it got a lot, lot better. And obviously, the fifty lapper had some uh, drama and good racing and some passes for the lead. Kovac, you're in Kokomo. We're recording this on Tuesday. He's your boy Clanton, wins on Monday uh, at a quarter mile. You got people on the internet, experts saying get rid of the droop rule. The racing's phenomenal. They saved dirt late model racing there in Kokomo. What do you, uh, how was that first night out there?
2: That was a very good race. Uh, Clanton, 47-year-old Shane Clanton got up on the wheel, man. He was up there and, um, you know, scraping the wall, sparks flying off the concrete, uh, trading some sliders with Tyler Erb. Uh he after the race was over, uh Clanton's right rear spoiler, man, that was all crumpled up. So he says he can still get up there if he has to and he had to at a at, uh, at Kokomo, man. That little circular quarter mile bullring ring track was uh was racy for the feature. It was it was where uh you know Tyler Herb could make some moves, like, you know, try to throw some sliders in there and uh Clanton you know, countered them and did his own sliders on the other end of the track. <laughs> so it was a it was an entertaining race. I mean, Clanton almost gave it away in the last lap. He drove into three and four so hard, or, or, or so soft, probably more conservative, that he messed himself up, and he slid right into the wall, kind of got the right front in there, and and nearly let it, Herb get by him. Uh, so it, it was what you could ask for. I mean, was the everyone's all, no, immediately, uh, like Tyler Herb was one that said, I mean, he hadn't had a good finish, since uh, top five finish since August 19th, back at uh, a preliminary for the topless One Hundred. So he needed a race. I mean, he was pretty bad, he said, awful, horrible at, at Knoxville after, uh, you know, winning two features there last year, winning both preliminaries, and, and this year he didn't even qualify for one of them. Uh, so something brought him alive. I mean, he says the without having the droop rule in effect, uh, you know, now uh, with XR, they decided to just uh, to drop the droop rule that's been, it's in all the other series, and, uh, and just go with a uh, uh, they measure 40 inches on the middle of the rear end uh, before they go on the racetrack and they measure 15 on the right front. I do know if everybody was pushing those, I was just guys in the back of the cars, just pushing that down, uh, as they're going to tech, that's for sure. So, uh, I mean, I would imagine that they probably are by, uh, by the time they get on the racetrack, those things are well over 40 inches. Um, and, and you know, the way that they're uh, compressing there before they go through the tech, but uh, it, it's—I I, mean—I didn't talk to everybody yet. I mean, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna work on a story for my column this week on, uh, you know, thoughts on you know, what, uh, on the droop rule. Did it help? Does it—is it better? Do they want drivers want it to be across the board? You know, they like not just have one series not have it. So like you know, they make a special have ups or something. Um, have to see exactly. I mean, we'll like we'll have another night of racing. Uh, by the time this is, uh, you know, aired, we'll already have another one. We'll see how that worked out and don't want to like jump to any conclusions about how, you know, how the racing is different, you know, just from one, from one event. I know there were guys, well, I mean, Brandon Overton's a guy that he would, he liked it without having the droop rule. and uh, cause, I mean, again, the droop rule is different than it was a few years ago. With the way it started, you know, originally with Ray Cook, it was just that chain, right? The guys were saying now they've kind of changed it this year. They're jacking up the right rear too. And it's kind of, uh Lucas didn't even Lucas oil series didn't even have the droop rule for most of the city like only a handful of races they even ran it last year so uh that that's one thing that Tyler Erb pointed out that's changed this year. We'll have to see, but first uh returns were were good I mean it was a good race Of course it was a smaller track, so that probably helped too uh you know you know that this arrow deal isn't happening in that little quarter mile like it would be say at Knoxville, but Knoxville was also good on Sunday even though it was in the afternoon I know I had. Like Vinnie Giuliani, uh, uh Jonathan Davenport's crew guy came up to me after the race at Kokomo and says, I mean, I hope people will say like, Hey, those were two good races back to back. Everybody seems like they jump and starts talking about the bad races, but let's hope that people will actually say, Hey, those were two good races uh and, and give a little positivity there. So but again, we'll see out of the long haul and and see what happens. But it was a Yes was a the good, droop a good event are... at Kokomo.
0: Awesome. Yeah, well, it was a great racing there. We'll have uh when you listen to this, you'll know the winner from last night as we record on a Tuesday. There's Wednesday. The Droop Diaries are in full effect in Kokomo. I'll be interested to see that story, Kovac, of what uh, the drivers think about it. But the last two races are good. We've also had good Droop Rule races on quarter miles like Davenport for the Outlaws, Fairberry and other small tracks. They can uh, summer national tracks. They perform very well with the Droop. Kovac, whoa. I'm like a teacher getting ready to go to the next lesson. What do you want, buddy?
2: i say Brandon Shepard. I think he's one of the guys just says maybe we should just run all the races on quarter miles and three eighths miles. Let's just do that. You know, Of course, right. he grew up on them in, in Illinois, I'm but, man, they seem like they've been the best races. That's for sure. Oh, yeah,
3: for amen. sure. I mean, I'm amen. amen, 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 amen. I agree with Sheppy. Let's get them on the bull rings, baby. Those those I grew up on those, two, and they're, those are – I mean, I love going to Eldora, but – the Bull Rings are by uh, hands. Uh, they're, they're my favorite, easily. Let's get there.
0: Oh, yeah. No doubt. My entire life being in Lane of Lincoln, Illinois, you see them everywhere. Kovac, you're, you're you're. I don't know, there you're from, you had a lot of bigger tracks. But I know you when you come into Illinois, you love those quarter miles. And then McFadden, you're Port Royal, Williams Grove, you're all these big, huge half miles. I mean, I don't think it really affects you. You love Knoxville as well. I think you're you're a hotter cold well, on the half miles.
2: I was
1: I was about to hop in and, and, and say I'm with Robert. <laughs> give me give me the bull rings, you know what I mean? I'm shocked that Kokomo isn't on more late model schedules. Monday night just proves it, you know. I mean it's just why isn't Kokomo on why aren't we covering more races at Kokomo? In my opinion. I mean it's Fairbury esque in terms of entertainment. Just please schedule more races at Kokomo. Somebody please, you know.
0: Well the thing is, Kyle, they've had few outlaw or that a. Lucas Oil race there, only brought in like 20 cars. The crowd wasn't that great. Matt Curl and company tried to do a summer race there during 2020 when COVID happened, and it just didn't have that uh, luster. It didn't have that big crowd. And uh, it's an open-wheel track in Indiana. I mean, Fairbury really is of the other way. They try to have wing sprint cars all the time, and they could just never get that crowd there You know, to break to get money. So it's just one of those things where, believe me, I would love to do it. They had a summer nationals race there. In like 2010, the crowd wasn't that good. They had the Kokomo Clash, which is like a whole bunch of different divisions. So I don't know, just has never worked there. But I'm with you; that'd be awesome to have some racing there.
2: Go back. Yeah, it's that's that's sprint car country, wingless sprint car country, especially there in that part of Indiana, I guess. And uh, I mean, and it, it's just it's just it's tough to, to draw those late model fans in there. I mean, there it wasn't a great crowd on Monday night. I I counted probably 200 people up in that main grandstand you know there's there's more people in the, in the backstretch or the pit area too um but i mean for a $100,000 purse that wasn't that wasn't paying but hopefully there was a lot of people watching on um uh, you know on with subscriptions on uh you know streaming because that that was that would not have been a very uh financial winner if you're, if you're talking about a $100,000 purse on a little bull ring with only with that crowd i mean it's a monday night in september school's going on I was actually sitting next to a guy from right there and like right around Kokomo. And he, he didn't really know he was like, he was a sprint car fan. He was, and he came because he wanted to see the race and I was talking to him a little bit and he says, yeah, man, yeah. Monday night. It's, it's tough here. I mean, it, it's a real big, here's, he said, there's a lot of factories here and a lot of bigger, you know, like there's a Jeep factory and there's a few other things that, um, that are, that are bigger, like those, you know, like your third shift ones that people are working 11 o'clock at night going to work. And, uh and, and stuff like that he said so it's tough for that monday night uh you know school and that and uh and in september going to have that race on a monday night a midweek show uh, and, and throw in the factor that it's a late model race and not a sprint car race he said he thought like you know definitely could have had more people if it was on a weekend uh in the stands but uh, you know, still you, you're, you're fighting that, uh, you know, and you got to get the late model people. You got to get the sprint car people to like the late models. Like this guy, there's more of this guy that was sitting next to me. Maybe it'd be all right. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's tough to get them there. And, uh, but that's the way it is kind of people, the sprint car get people don't always want to go see the late models, you know, but, uh, yeah, def- definitely need to get a little bit bigger of a crowd, you know, need to get the people to watch that race last night, I guess, and see like, Hey, it's pretty good. If, uh, late models can put a good show on there.
0: We all agree, quarter miles, three-eighths, mile ovals, let's get the racing, the boxing gloves out. We all agree we wish we had more races at Kokomo. Or Monday night proved it was a great, great showing. All right, for the topic this week, before the Knoxville Nationals, they came out with the announcement we're going to cut the race from 100 laps to 75 laps. So me, going through the pit area, went through a couple drivers, went talked to Randall Edwards. Their thoughts on it. Were they a fan of it? Do they not like it? Do they wish it was 100? And virtually every single person said they are happy they cut the laps. They feel like those 25 laps didn't really affect the racing. People are still going to be able to have enough time to pass cars. Well, Randall Edwards even said in his interviews, he wished that all the crown jewel races would cut to 75 to 50 laps. We've seen some 50 grand to win shows this year be 50 laps throughout the year. Um, Knoxville was shortened, and it proved that it was okay to be a 50 lapper. Kovac, I know you've said on the show multiple ch- times you are a fan of 100 lappers on these crown jewels. So are you defending Randall Edwards? You're going to say, you know what, Randall? We want these 100 lappers. I think they're okay. Or maybe we just kind of look back at it and say, this one could be at 75, this one can still be 100, and so on and so forth.
2: I want the 100 laps. I know there's people that uh, that don't like that. And I mean there's people that say, you know, I, I think a little bit, it's this year, too. Some, some teams have been spoiled a little bit now. $50,000 to win 50 lappers. Uh, you know, when you start getting a lot of them, uh, it gets to the point like, why are we running 100 laps for $50,000 to win? You know, why are we running 50 laps for 10000 Now, the $10,000 to win races should be 25 laps. I mean, we keep losing uh, laps here, I guess. You know, I don't, I don't want, if i got to know a Knoxville, I, those races, I, I want the 100 lap race on Sunday. I mean, I know it's a big track or Saturday, uh, for a finale. I know it's a big racetrack, but that, that racetrack, that race usually produces late race, uh, um, you know, excitement, late, race, late, race drama. I mean, not all the time, a hundred lappers is going to be good. Obviously not all the time or 50 lappers good. Um, but I, I mean, I just don't feel like it's as big of a event if it's, uh, you know, if, it, if it's 50 laps at, uh, at, at, uh, Knoxville, same as like the the World 50 at, at Eldora. That wouldn't be. That's it, it's kind of 100 laps just has a there's feel to a me that it World makes it a bigger event. Back. I know exactly right. We don't need a World 50. We need a World 100, and I want I want the biggest races to be 100 laps. I mean, I know there's these 50,000. That's the thing, though. You start getting these 50,000 dollar to win 50 lappers and it's gonna make everybody like, oh, we don't want to run 100 laps anymore. We only want to run 50, but. And there was you know, like well we can't you can't go 100 laps without you know making a fuel stop. I don't want a fuel stop at Knoxville. I know they didn't have a fuel stop for many many years. Everybody seemed like they made it to the finish at, at Knoxville, and apparently the, the 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 gas fuel cells they shrank in size. They that's not the size they need to run for that. You know, hey I, again I'm I'm also. Used to big block modified racing in the Northeast. McCready would probably tell you the same thing here. He ran a lot of hundred lap. All the Super Dirt Series races were 100 laps when I was growing up. We used to have 200 lappers in the fall. Um, used to have pit stops with the quick quick fills and stuff. I mean, late model guys don't uh, don't have the pit stops like the, the the modified guys did for a lot of years. Uh, you know, Syracuse and everything, um, and which I I. I kind of like those races. I mean, it was something different for the end of the year. And I I think that Knoxville actually I'd heard before that they talked about having a 200 lapper to have something really different and maybe make guys make, you know, live pit stops. But I guess it never really nobody really got behind that idea uh, for for late model race. I mean, when's the last time there's been a 200 lapper for late models? But I, I again, I do like that that variety of like having a big race like that and, and and throws a little bit more of a wrinkle into who's gonna win too i mean you gotta uh you gotta be able to to, to strategize a little bit and, and not run just hard for every single lap like a sprint car race or something so i mean i, I i'm 400 lappers
0: kovacs northeast is coming out of him here today he's used to those yeah. big long rolling races when he said 200 lap or at Knoxville for a late model, I about fainted there. I don't, I don't know if we need exactly <laughs> yeah. 200 laps. I, don't know.
2: I thought, I, don't know I thought they, they talked good. about that before, you know.
0: Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. Back in the, you know, few years ago, Robert, you're kind of in the middle of it. You cover dirt late model racing. You love the history and stuff like that, but also you are a car owner, and you get like what these drivers and crews are going through. And the general consensus when I did that interview with all those drivers is, "Hey, man, these motors are costing a lot of money." We get less laps on them, uh, less wear and tear. Tires wouldn't be, you know, used up. I don't know. It seems like these guys are okay to cut down the laps, and they're okay maybe getting 15th place instead of 10th place if we had another 50 laps. They think maybe like looking at their, you know, calculator and putting in all their budgets and all the money they spent that they're okay maybe just settling for a 13th place finish instead of trying to use those extra 50 laps to get in the top 10. What's your thoughts on that?
3: I'm okay to work four hours and get paid for eight hours too. Who's not? You know? That's I mean, true. I like that. Let's <laughs> let's, let's let's face it. Uh, if you're a if you're a race car driver and you're getting paid good to run fewer laps, you're not gonna complain about that. You know, you're unless you know, I thought it was interesting what uh, you know, Earl Pearson did say right before that race. You know, on the live broadcast, Earl Pearson said if he's leading, he wants it to be 25 or 40 laps or something like that. But if he's running second, he wants it to be 100 laps. You know, these guys don't know what in the hell they want, honestly. Okay, first of all, you're at the the top of the sport. You are the top echelon of dirt late model racing. Quit complaining. It's a crown jewel. Go out there and run your 100 laps. A crown jewel should, I agree with Kevin, wholeheartedly. A crown jewel event should be a hundred laps. If these other races that pay 50,000 to win want to cut the laps, you know, that's fine. That's on them. Those aren't crown jewels. They're just paying a lot of money. And I think that what is a crown jewel and what isn't a crown jewel is definitely a conversation that we could probably, gosh, we could probably have over two or three of these of these podcasts that we do because. A lot of people want to throw their hat into the crown jewel ring and they're not crown jewels yet just because they're paying a lot of money. So run how many laps you want to, but a crown jewel, the World 100, the Dirt Track World Championship, the Knoxville Nationals, these races should be 100 laps. You know, I, it's so frustrating to me how many, like for instance, the Magnolia State Cotton Picking 100 is not 100 laps. It's a hundred laps over two days. It's like forty and sixty. That's four. That's fine if you want to kind of keep that name still, you know, Magnolia State Cotton picking One Hundred, because technically it is a hundred laps. It's just you're running forty and sixty, but still, that's not a crown jewel. So I'm not overly concerned about that. You know, a ten thousand dollar to win race. I don't mind it being forty laps. That's fine. You know, twenty thousand dollar to win race, fifty laps. But when you get to the the top of the mountain, when you are at the, the peak, when you're at the best of the best, I do not want to hear about engine costs because for starters, racers and sanctioning bodies, you've brought it on yourself for the cost of engines. I mean, and that's another, you know, that's a whole other conversation as well. But when we allowed the the wide bore engines and to, to creep their way into this sport uh several years back there's no turning there's no turning back now to go to a track like knoxville or eldora or um Alltech, these big race tracks if you don't have a motor like that you're out to lunch so they've kind of brought it upon themselves so so don't complain about something that everybody is in the same boat Go out there the Crown Jewel, run your 100 laps, give the fans what they have grown accustomed to historically for the best of the best. And then next week, you know, go to Kokomo and run 40 laps for 20,000 or whatever. I don't even know how many laps last night, uh, Monday night's race was. But uh, but anyway, you, you see what I'm saying? And I, I, I just 100% agree, even from a from a car owner's perspective, and and granted, when you say a car owner, let's let's put that in in the proper setting there, Derek. I own a crate late model.
0: You're my car owner,
3: and we race, and we we race. We are. I'm a car owner, but we race weekly. We venture out some. We have ran some super late model stuff over the years. Uh, some of Ray Cook's races and stuff. But we are. We have never had a motor. That's cost. We've never I've never owned a motor that's cost more than fifteen thousand dollars. Okay, so so I'm not even remotely close to being in the same boat as those guys are. I'm just I'm just a weekly guy out here trying to have a little fun and enjoy the sport that I grew up in. So uh, so I'm not you know, I'm not even close to to what they are. So from my perspective, those guys are at the top of the, the heap. Go out there and give the fans what they paid good money for. These tickets are forty and forty-five dollars. Don't shortchange them.
0: Well, that's I was gonna ask you, Kyle. If the racing's so good at fifty, seventy-five laps and you see these costs to get in the emissions still the same, are fans really gonna get that mad, or you think if we keep doing this, they're gonna start, you know, panicking a little more and saying, Hey, you know, we're paying forty-five bucks, let's see a hundred lap or on the flip side. Like Knoxville, we did see a good race. I feel like you probably got your money's
1: worth. Yeah, no, totally. I think it it all varies. Um, like sprint car fans, like they're used to these twenty five, thirty, thirty five, shoot, forty laps for a sprint car race around a half mile. That's a that's a long way. So depends on the fan and their background and their interests. You know, whereas a guy like Kevin, right? You know, you grow up accustomed to watching those long, grueling from a driver standpoint, you know, big block modified races in the Northeast. And so it really all depends. And then you have the late model world where you can kind of go both ways. And so, but I'm with Kevin and Robert, crown jewel races, please keep them at 100 laps. I don't want to see a crossroads with this, especially after Knoxville where 50 laps now, you know, the, the reason why it was cut to 50 from 75 was because of the blistering tire temps. I have no issue with that. I have absolutely zero problem with what they did on Sunday. I think they had to had to do that because those tires certainly weren't going to make it maybe even 75 laps. So, but cutting it to 75 in the first place, you know, with no fuel stop, I guess the only guy that really was opposed to it that I talked to was Mike Marler like strongly opposed to it you know I mean he thought you know basically what you were just asking there Derek you know is it going to take away from the fans experience yeah you know he was all for preserving you know that aspect of it from a fans too, fans perspective and I'm like you know, 25 laps, cutting it 25 laps. What's that going to do on your motor bills and things like that? And, you know, Mike Marler said, you know, it's 25 laps. You know, we're paying the motor bills. You know, what is, what's the big wolf about that, right? You know, an extra 25 laps, crown jewel, you know, I think, you know, so yes, you know, please keep them 100 laps, you know, the crown jewels. And so I know that there was another 50,000 to win. Race this year, Port Royal, and from what I understand, the you know Steve O'Neill, the promoter at Port Royal, you know Rick Schwally from the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series, basically gave Steve O'Neill the option. You know, how long do you you want your fifty thousand to win race? You know, that race could have been hundred laps, could have been seventy-five, it could have been sixty, as many as Steve O'Neill won it, and he had the option to, you know, go with the fifty laps at his track. And so, you know, and, and and uh he he even said you know that option was was kind of gravitated toward the sprint car guy inside of him. You know, just uh let the guys run as hard as they can and, and uh you know let's just uh you know put on a show for fifty laps and then obviously on the flip side of that too from my perspective of it hundred lap race you know those are those are take take hey, hey, special strategy obviously right i mean the guys that are the greats in the sport you know it's just another element that you really that it's 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 just extraordinary and so i think the extraordinary races separate the guys who are good and the guys who are great and you know the guys who we remember that we will remember in the sport for, for time and time or you know just years and years to come you know decades to come so please keep them 100 laps back, you going to make them 400 laps or what?
2: No, no 400 <laughs> laps. But I do – winning the crown jewel race, it's supposed to be – it's not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be harder than just a 50-lap regular national tour, regional tour race or whatever. Um, if you win one of them, you're supposed to have accomplished something that's really, really difficult and And not saying winning a 50 lap is still difficult. it's and winning a 25 lap is difficult, but I want that to be you know to, to that that level of difficulty to be ramped up for the biggest races. and that's why I want uh, hundred laps and and also like I mean as a fan too, I mean a fan really tech really want to get down to it. It doesn't matter to a fan if it's uh 50,000 or 20 or 10,000 to win. Um, I mean, obviously the, and the number of, of uh, you know, the, the admission price will go up when it's more money to win. But I've always thought that like, yeah, as a fan, I mean, it's like, uh, it's, um I want, if I'm going to be paying more, uh, I don't want to just be paying more just because it's going to be paying more to win. I want to be paying more because I'm going to get more, uh, not just more, some more drivers, but uh, more racing. So, I want a hundred laps as a, as a fan coming in uh, and, and knowing that this is something, a race that's different than normal. Uh, it's not just a 50 lapper that just has a bigger purse. Uh, give me something that gets me my blood pump, pumping a little bit that I know that it's a special event. And that's why I feel like these hundred lappers always are, you know, like the, 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 the topless 100, the North South 100, the firecracker 100, you lead up to this totally big event and I mean, the Firecracker 100 was 50 laps when you know, a few years ago. Kind of made for TV because that's how much time they had. It didn't feel like the Firecracker 100. That's one of those asterisk ones. I mean, and, and really, same with Knoxville this year. 50 laps, that's – I mean, that doesn't feel like the Knoxville Nationals. I, uh, You know, obviously, you know, so, something different could win just because of that. Like, I mean, you, I want – you have to put that 100 laps together to get the big crown jewel on your resume, right?
0: Yeah, I think the – Original crown jewels, Dream late or World One Hundred, PDC Dirt Track, Cedar Lake, North South. They'll all stay at a hundred, but you know I could be okay with uh, you know the seventy-five laps of Knoxville because it. I mean, it's still going to produce great racing. As a fan, if you see good racing, I don't think it really is going to matter to the person. And then obviously, Robert, we're going to give to you really quick his comment about you know getting paid to work four or getting paid to work eight hours if you actually only work four hours. So I like that comment, Robert. Final thoughts on this before we get
3: to one more thing. Well, I was just going to say that go back to that uh, 2010 Topless 100. What if they cut that race? That was a grueling, brutal race that uh, that Landers, that uh, Jared Landers won. If you guys remember that, it got pushed from Saturday because of rain out to Sunday. They ran it in the daytime. And what if what if that race was what if they cut that race? You know, uh, we wouldn't probably would not have had. Jared Landers as a crown jewel winner, most likely. I mean, uh, most likely. So, you know, the arguments can be made on both sides of, oh, it's a, it would have been a great race if, if they could have gone all out for 50 laps versus, you know, I know that tire wear and people pitting all the time and that sort of stuff is not all that, ex- and the cautions are not all that exciting for fans, but it does add a ton of drama. And, uh, and so that 2010 Topless 100 at Batesville would not have been near the same had they cut that race. Uh, But, uh, you know, thank goodness, you know, Mooney stars, like it's a topless 100. It's not the topless 50. So, you know, that was, that turned out to be Jared Landers biggest career win, which likely would not have happened had that race been cut shorter.
0: Yeah. Phenomenal victory lane helmet toss hot as heck that day. I think Todd Turner about died. He was, he was white as a ghost and sweating very, very much, according to Michael Rigsby and other reports from the track that day. But if it was shorter, we would have said, heard Scott Bloomquist not say, as far as I'm concerned, I lasted the longest on the original tires. I won the race. They got a gift. So we got a good quote from Bloomer as well. So if we didn't have that 100-lap grueling race, Bloomquist would have won, and we wouldn't get a great quote from him. We'll just have to wait and see about these. Drivers are always going to be fans of less laps, and crew drives are definitely going to be. but. To keep the tradition of our sport, I think we do need to keep it at 100 laps. Maybe if it's a racetrack like Port Royal, they can decide how many laps they want. I'm okay with that as well. But the original Crown Jewels, the big ones, should be 100 laps. No doubt about that. All right, guys, we're going to finish with the one more thing. Kyle, what's up, buddy? You can lead off for us. Get on base. Come on.
1: For sure. Well, I think we have a uh, a title watch in the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series now. I think uh, Tim McCready's. 195-point lead, just got almost cut in half over the weekend. That is down to 100 points over Brandon Shepard. Eight races left in the Lucas Oil Series Tour this season, so uh, certainly something to watch this week going into Brownstown, and I'll add another nugget. Uh, Ross Bales picked up the win at Dog Hollow with the ULMS Series. Um, didn't expect Ross Bales to be trekking all the way up to PA to race, but... Uh, He's back and uh, he's got two wins now in the last three races since taking six weeks off. So Ross Bales back on the mat, and uh, we got a title to watch in the, I guess, to watch in the uh, Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series between T Mac and uh, B Shut.
0: Yeah, Sheppy had his heartbreak at uh, I seventy there in July when they were leading and had the motor problems there. T Mac on uh, Knoxville on Sunday. The way you can see, a couple good races. one in the past in Brownstown. The Rocket One car has been obviously good at PPMS as well. And then the Dirt Track World Championship—that is like Shepard's playground here in the last ten years. We'll see if Shepard can make sure. some noise there. is a good points racer, so I think it's going to be very tough for him to come back and beat him. But you never know in racing. My one more thing is uh, Virginia Motor this weekend. Fast Track World Championships. Fifty grand to win for the Crate guys. We get all this love for the Supers racing for big money. They got some big money out there in VMS, so uh, be sure to check it out. It'll be live on Flow Racing, but I thought that was pretty cool that the Crate guys get to show and race for the big money this this weekend at Virginia Motor at the Sawyer, Sawyer facility. Kovac, what do you got?
2: Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a little food comment, racetrack food comment here. Uh, Uh-oh. Like I mentioned. I mentioned this to you guys, like, just as we were talking before we started the podcast, but at Kokomo on Monday night, uh, yeah, I, I like to, I don't get too much track food really too often, but, I, you know, I like to kind of sample hot dogs as I go around or the racetracks and, uh, you know, see how they are and, like, what, what tracks have the best hot dogs, and I got one at Kokomo, and, man, I tell you what, uh, Kokomo, they, they should be embarrassed by their by their hot dog pick here. I don't know what kind of hot dog it was, but... I I opened up, I unwrapped it from the foil, and I I thought that they forgot to put the hot dog in the bun. I'm like, where's the hot dog? There was nothing there. It was like barely anything. It was it was the tiniest hot dog I've ever seen. There's hot dogs that are bigger that like, you know, in little tiny, you know, little uh what you know? The little, little tiny like ones that go into little pretzel nuggets or something. Hey, this was Kovac, this was this was sad. Little smoky for
0: a guy with a little smoky. So that's I all guess right. so.
2: That's right. I like to have a little bit bigger hot dog. I guess right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's like that wasn't uh, that was an embarrassing hot dog from the. Uh, I mean, I don't know if that's the way they are all the time, but man, come on, let's you get some be- better time, hot dogs. I'm gonna, I guess I'll have to check it out, but, man, let me, I, let, let's let have a better hot dog. That's all Trax I, I got to say about that.
0: <laughs> Trax, if you're listening, if you know Kovac is on the credential list, make sure you got top-of-the-line hot dogs because he, he gets a dog everywhere he goes. He's like Kobe Otto. Oh, know.
2: Hey, it's I've got new, went to go New dog. York. you got the Hoffman hot dogs, a little crunch to him. Eldora, oh, I like man. the hot dogs oh, there. You know, come on. Let's go, Kokomo. <laughs> Robert, close us out.
3: Yes sir, I would like to uh to just point out that the ageless Hall of Famer, NASCAR Hall of Famer Red Farmer from Hueytown, Alabama of uh of course of the Alabama Gang fame won his heat race at Talladega Short Track in the uh, crate late model division on Saturday night, started on the outside front row of the main event. Unfortunately, he was an early retiree and and uh and finished uh pretty, pretty well back but in the future but uh to see red farmer still getting it done at like 150 years old is freaking awesome uh you know anybody knows red knows he's got a smile and he's uh you know a handshake and happy to talk to anybody when he's down there at uh at uh Talladega short track i think still pulling with the same same van that looks like he borrowed from Bob Memmer or something but uh uh, but it's uh, it's uh, great to see Red Farmer still out there getting it done on the on the dirt tracks at like 90-plus years old.
0: The ageless wonder. I mean, Billy Moyer still has another 20 years left if he got Red Farmer winning heat races. So maybe one day we'll see Mr. Smooth winning the heat race at 90-something years old. That's pretty cool. I saw that video. Can still get her done. Always remember him racing the prelude and obviously a legend down in that st- state of Alabama as well. Well, guys, it's been a great show. People listening, be sure to check out all the content on Flow Racing and DirtOnDirt.com. We have full highlights and live video coming up this week, this weekend. we got the Jackson 100, the Fast Track World Championships, and other races. These guys will be all over the country covering as well. Um, thank you for listening. Until next time, this is the Dirt Report.